Prediction. Big media will have its hands full with Netflix. And Spotify and Gimlet and Anchor, oh my. You get the reference there, Tom, right? I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode 91 of Media Unplugged, the podcast that goes behind the spin to reveal what's really happening in media. Media Unplugged with Tom A. Sacker and Mark Ramsey. Welcome to Media Unplugged. I'm Mark Ramsey. And I'm Tom A. Sacker. Tom, prediction, big media will have its hands full with Netflix. I don't know that this is necessarily kind of a earth-shattering topic, although, you know, if you watch the news, everybody and their brother-in-law in big media is creating, they don't necessarily call it a Netflix killer, but it is a Netflix combatant, shall we say. And right. I guess this piece that we were reading from, from Redef, primarily from Redef, on big media isn't ready to fight back. Uh, was really, I think, illuminating because it lays out some of the key reasons why that's going to be a lot more difficult than a lot of these companies think, or at least a lot more difficult than they say they think. <laughs> just, exactly. Yeah, as of today, the day that we're recording this, Disney has just absorbed uh, 21st Century Fox. And uh, as you may have seen, Tom, the, uh, the heads are already rolling. Mm. They have uh, a number in the billions with a B to save. In terms wow. of overhead, so it's going to be quite traumatic, and that and that relates perhaps to the pending introduction of Disney Plus, their over-the-top uh, thing, which is uh, interesting. Maybe one of the most interesting of these um, Netflix alternatives, primarily because it can tap into the Disney universe, which of course includes Lucasfilm and Marvel and all that stuff. We've exactly. got we've got Warner Media coming aboard. We've got uh, CBS, which has which promises a new Star Trek, every a new st fresh Star Trek episodes of some sort every season, and of course they have debuting on April first the much anticipated. If you saw the uh, Super Bowl ad, Twilight Zone, from, yeah, uh, Jordan Peele, which I'm dying to see. I can't wait to see that. That should be good. Um, and uh, of course we've got uh, a lot more uh, beyond that. What's your take on this kind of rush to real estate uh, in over the top. Well, look, everybody knows that's where it's, they're, they're all heading west, right? So this is like a gold rush. Everyone knows that if you want to, really, if you want to control the advertising industry, you know, all that money that flows into it, you're going to have to figure out content at some point as people start, continue to cut the cable and go over the top with everything. And, you know, the whole Netflix thing, yeah, people are going to eat away at it. You know, they're not going to kill them. <laughs> Will they eat away at it? Probably. I mean, the variables at play, the key ones anyway, that are going to influence how this all unfolds are the same variables that are at play everywhere, right? It's habit, it's content, it's price. Everyone knows that human beings are creatures of both habit and novelty. Mm -hmm. And that novelty, if it delivers value can derail habit. I mean, look at, I was reading something the other day about teenagers and social media. So, if, you know, first it was Facebook, then Snapchat, then Instagram, and now it's this TikTok thing out of China, right? Mm. And then look at music. It's records, then radio, then the Walkman, then the iPod, and now it's streaming services like Pandora, Spotify, YouTube, whatever. Mm -hmm. Mark, whatever it's going to be, it will be providing value, and most likely at this point, probably by helping people deal with the flood of content and discover novelty 
by using AI to make predictions and stuff for them. I don't see really how anyone's going to escape that. It's just too much. Already me, there's too much. Let me ask you a question because I'm, I'm wondering this, and maybe I'm just a simpleton about this, but why is it that every big media company needs its own over-the-top platform? They don't have all their own, or at least until recently, they didn't all have their own networks. Um, why is that? Why is somehow over-the-top platform is viewed as a different animal? Because I think that what's going on here is if you look at what, what is the future going to be of uh, advertising. I mean, let's look at that for a minute. So if you're going to sell your content, the people who buy that content, like Netflix, eventually are going to figure out how to go so deep into who the consumers are on a personal basis that they'll be able to serve up advertising based on zip code, where they are with their phones, what pizza place they're walking by, whatever. And so these media companies know that if they don't own the digital platform and are collecting all of that data, they have lost a huge amount of value because the value eventually is going to be in the data. Well, the value is in the data now. But I think that that's what they worry about. It's like, okay, we've got a relationship and we're selling content, mm -hmm. but we don't own the relationship with the consumer. Netflix isn't telling us who these people are, where they live, you know, nothing. Why is and it that that, that can't, couldn't be negotiated in some way? I mean, right now, for example, Netflix, uh, to, to, to the degree that they know that information, and I'm sure they do quite a bit of it, they're using it only to get more viewing hours from those consumers. That is their sole use for that information, that and to inform uh, programming choices. But they're right. not using it for advertising. They're not using it to sell paper towels. I'm not even so sure that Amazon is using Prime Video for that purpose. I've got no obvious evidence of it in my inbox. So, not yet. Not no, yet. Not, not yet. We all say it's coming, but do you think then that Netflix is ultimately going to create its own advertising uh, model? That's what one of the articles that we have this week uh, suggests. I'm not so sure. I don't know. Look, how are they going to maintain their dominance, right? Those three, those three components, habit, content, and price. They need to pay, continue to pay for the rights to popular content, right. like Office and Friends, right? Right. But, but they also need to produce original content and acquire rights. And here's the thing that puzzles me. You tell me this, because I don't get this. How does Netflix not have Green Book available, but Redbox does? <laughs> See, there's just, there's so many wheeling and dealing things going on in Hollywood and with mm -hmm. all these different, I don't, I can't put my finger on this Tom, stuff. that's the, that's the, one of the biggest issues, and that's mentioned in this article, the idea that all of these companies have this web of complicated deals and limitations and sunset provisions and timelines. Hulu, it was mentioned, that one of Hulu's uh, problems is that it's not an international platform right now. And to some degree, that can't be because so much of the content on there is tied up with different distributors in different right. countries that you take Hulu Internet. I mean, even Handmaid's Tale, that's true to some degree. That it's They, they indicated that uh, Looming Tower, one of the quote-unquote Hulu originals, is a Netflix original in another country. Yeah, I mean, any time where the deals are that kind of serpentine, um, these companies are going to be, I mean, 
Look, this is the beauty of simplicity, right? This is the beauty of Netflix having a, a pure and simple platform. This That's is, right. This is why some of these guys talk about, well, we're going to take Friends away. We're going to take it back to the Warner Over the Top channel. And then in the interview right after that interview, the same guy says, well, I don't see anything wrong with them having it and us have it as long as we have it too. Well, wait yeah. a minute. You can't. <laughs> and this is the problem with the fact that these guys have so many dollars that's it flowing to them from the licensing of these attractive shows that that turning off that spigot in the hopes that three five years down the road maybe they will be cash flow positive look if you're an executive and you're sitting in a meeting with warner media right and your boss is sitting at the end of the table and next to him is the cfo Mm -hmm. and you say to him i don't think we should take the hundred million dollars from netflix for friends Mm -hmm. let's keep it Everybody will roll their eyes. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? A hundred million dollars for one more year of a show that aired twenty-five years ago? That first <laughs> So so a lot of this stuff has to do with the fact that Netflix is like out of their minds with how they're spending money. And look, if you want if you want to go back and think about a model, and this is the model that and I think people see it, but maybe not. Think of Netflix as the Amazon. A video content. What did they look? They started out by being a platform, right? Yeah. They're offering other companies products. Right. Then they use their data acquisition and AI to personalize recommendations. They start strengthening the consumer relationship. Finally, they use their scale and power to do what? Acquire content, create their own private label brands. Mm-hmm. Amazon did the exact same thing. Look what they did to newspapers and everyone else that was freaking out. Oh, how right? about how about Facebook clothing and, and clothing and batteries? I get my batteries from Amazon. They're Amazon branded batteries. This is what I'm telling you. So if, if these new services don't provide, and how are they going to do this? If they don't provide subscription value, right? Which means there has to be a decent catalog of content, and there has to be frequent new releases, habit and novelty. Right. Are you gonna Are you going to opt in to a, a a subscription service, another one, because of a particular show, it has got to be some kick-ass show for, to keep doing that. Well, and you know, of course, Handmaid's Tale did exactly that for Hulu. Then again, Hulu has a really, really deep bench of, you know, oh, you can also watch this on its platform, which a lot That's of these my point. networks are not going to have. And, and the other thing, too, mentioned in this article is that you know, there's a cost of loss here. There, the idea that shows like Friends, shows like The Office, these are shows that are I don't know, 10 to 30 years old, like you say. There's another tier of shows older than that that were The Office and, and Friends of their time, things like ER, things like Cheers, things like MASH. And these shows don't nearly have the juice that the more recent shows have, right. which means it's a wasting asset, right? It's yep. that for kids that were too young to see it in linear the first time around or didn't want to see it in linear the first time around and now can, can binge it. Um, what's the current example of a show like that, Tom? I mean, give me a current example of a show that is going to need 10 years to, uh, to, to you know, germinate such that it will be as ripe as Friends is right now on Over the Top. I don't see it. I, no, I don't either. I don't see it either. So do you think that, uh, tell me what you think. Do you think Netflix is going to ultimately sell ads? You know, this is the interesting thing, because as far as this ad-supported stuff goes, right, so people have been trained to consume it. It's called TV, right? Yes. 
I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, if you put on a Comcast show and you and you stream it, that you know, on on demand, you've got commercials on there. So it'll probably work fine for series. I doubt most people are going to tolerate it to sit down in a fe- for a feature film and have a bunch of interruptions. Otherwise, they'd be running ads at the movie theater. <laughs> right? That's there true. Certain- you would you would think it would happen at the movie theater first if it were that good an idea, right? Exactly. So is it going to happen? Of course it's going to happen. Is it going to happen soon for Netflix? No. But, I mean, how much money are they losing? Aren't they still losing money hand over fist? I'm not sure what the metrics are on, uh, on uh, profit loss for them right now. But I will say that, you know, they keep raising their prices. There was a big stink about that in January when they upped their prices by anywhere from 13 to 18 percent. Or at least there was a perceived big stink. I don't know anybody's referred to that in about two months. Do you? What was it, two bucks? Well, you know, 13 <laughs> to 18% sounds like more than two bucks, doesn't it? Yeah, when you say it like that, it does. I know. Right. It get, and, and if you look at the surveys, people are up in arms and people say, I don't mind seeing ads uh, as long as there aren't too many. And there's this whole kind of notion of, 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 of I'm upset over the cost and I'm uh, open to the idea of ads, and I don't actually believe any of it. I don't. I think the cost of Netflix is an amazing bargain still, and I think people are trained to complain about increases, no matter how small and no matter from what to what. And I think that uh, Netflix has a lot of room to grow before it really reaches that breaking point, as far as I'm concerned. And the idea of advertising seems to me, I would like, if they're going to use their data to help sponsors, I would sure like it to be without the presence of ads. And there's got to be ways they can do that without charging into that, you know, that technology that's about 100 years old right now. <laughs> Look, you, you know what it is with Netflix? I mean, they're, they're smart, right? They, they are investing to build this, this huge platform that you don't want to ever leave and then figure out what to do with it later. Right? They've got like five billion dollars of debt or something they just keep spending money to try to hook us all into the platform like amazon yeah it right? is like it is like amazon but it's interesting i've got roku at home i don't know what your platform is at home but i will tell I got, you the i got prime okay so but what are you watching on the big screen what no i've device? got the amazon prime oh you've got box. the fire Okay. The fire, right. So I don't know what that's like. So I know what Roku's like, and I know that the, uh, the, the app for uh, Amazon Prime on the Roku device is awful compared to the Netflix app, which is tremendous. Right. So, I mean, today, I mean, it's almost as if, I mean, the idea, <laughs> I don't know how it works for you, but I go on Amazon, it's like, okay, well, let's start at the left. Let's page to the right. <laughs> exactly. We'll keep paging to the right. Wait a minute. I was just watching something. What the, where the heck is that? Let me oh, go no, down to the next row and the next row. Which row contains the thing I was just watching five minutes ago that I happened to access? And God forbid you accidentally hit a button that takes you to the main menu again, and you have to find your way back to that spot. It's, it's, it's like a journey through the rings of hell <laughs> to get back there. You know, there no, is that it, user experience problem. No, it, it, but that's really strange if you think about it compared to when you go on Amazon's regular site to buy something. 
you know, mm-hmm. all your old stuff is served right up at you. Things that are like that are right next to it. It's like, it's, it's just so seamless and so simple. You start clicking stuff before you know it, you're hitting a button and a bunch of stuff is shipping to your house. This is what I mean. I mean, the, the <laughs> user experience is, is, is really fairly awful. And the voice activation capability, I don't know about on Fire, but that, I'm sure it's through Alexa, but on, uh, on the Roku, it's pretty, uh, it, it's pretty sketchy. Um, you can find all kinds of things when you ask for uh, any given thing. So anyway, um, Tom. It'll be fun to watch. It will be very fun to watch. (laughs) You're listening to Media Unplugged with Tom Masecker and Mark Ramsey. Spotify and Gimlet and Anchor, oh my. This refers, of course, to the big announcement from January where Spotify doubles and triples down on the podcast space through its acquisition of um, uh, Gimlet, which is one of the leading uh, podcast producers and Anchor, which is one of those kind of uh, uh, consumer-driven, make-your-own-podcast-easily kind of platforms um, for a price tag of $340 million, supposedly around $200 million for Gimlet and $140 million for Anchor. Between the three of them, Spotify, Gimlet, and Anchor, I think they've lost a total of a quadrillion dollars, <laughs> I think. Uh, so um, it's nice to know that the people who invested in these assets have uh, gained a lot of money because it seems to me nobody else has. <laughs> um, so, uh, so it's but it's an interesting kind of uh, benchmark because it's a big deal, it's a lot of money, and it's in kind of a nascent industry right now, which is growing fast but still quite small. Um, what was your take on this, Tom, when you saw this? It's the same game. It's the same game. Look, the advertising industry is like one trillion dollars or something, right? It's like huge. Podcasting is growing fast. Right, and I don't know how many podcasts are there, Mark. Over like what are they? Over six hundred thousand. There are between <laughs> sixteen and eighteen podcasts. <laughs> yeah, over. and ours is number two. <laughs> but no, seriously, there's like six hundred thousand podcasts. Right, thirty million episodes. Uh-huh. So the ad revenues will grow, but the challenge is similar to Amazon and Netflix because you have to grow a platform to aid in the discovery and serve up these relevant location and interest-based ads. Who's going to advertise on this, like a little podcast that gets 140 downloads? They're not going to do it. But you aggregate 600,000 podcasts and you can serve up relevant ads. Now you've got something that advertisers are interested in. So, I mean, what do you think? This, you're very active in the space. How are you feeling yes, about I'm all this? Yes, I'm entirely too active in this space. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but not with, uh, not with those companies. Um, well, you know, obviously they're all uh, betting on the growth of the market. They're uh, uh, betting on growth of consumption. Consumption is growing. The last statistic, I think, said something like one out of five of every of uh, all Americans uh, listen to at least one podcast in an average week. One of the headlines in the radio trade said only one in five. Hmm. Uh, technically, they said only 19%. And I said, wait a minute, that's one in five in an average week. Um, right. That's pretty far from only in my book, com- considering it's something that didn't exist a few years ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, clearly they're putting a big bet here. They recognize that there's going to be a lot of audience flowing here. There's going to be a lot of dollars flowing, and it's, it's right now evolving. I can tell you the inquiries that I'm getting from potential adverti- advertisers that, um, you know, used to be limited to, Podcast onlys like you know Casper and ZipRecruiter. Yeah, exactly. The numbers are get they're 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 getting much more diverse. They're getting much more uh, meaningful, 
And I think it's because um, that more and more people, uh, even in these companies, are listening to these podcasts and saying, why aren't we a part of this? Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's really an interesting phenomenon. So I, I, I th- here's the one exception I have to what you said. When you talked about the importance of discovery and Spotify is kind of a platform for that. I, to me, I think discovery is a lot of nonsense. I think it's all about distribution, not about discovery. And that ultimately, you know, just as we want one platform to give it all to us because platforms are so complicated, I want one Netflix. I don't want 10 Netflixes. Right. I want one Spotify. I don't need three Spotify's. I don't subscribe to Spotify and Apple Music and Pandora Premium. I don't do any of that. I, I just pick one. Right. Right. I want it as simple as possible. And then once I have that simple thing, I want the thing surfaced for me, which I'm most interested in. That has nothing to do with discovery. Discovery is about finding something you didn't know existed. (laughs) Uh, Interest is about finding something that you actually like. That may be something you've known existed all along. Let's call it. Let's call it. Let's let's coin a new one. Interest discovery. Well, I mean, now you, but now you, now you feathered fished the thing. So, <laughs> but I, I, this is what though the folks at Spotify and others think of when they think of dis- people in the digital space. When they think of discovery, they think of this: the fact that Netflix and Amazon and Amazon Prime are really good for discovering new movies. Well, yes, if you like flipping from left to right in an infinite number of clicks. Which right. drives my wife crazy when I do it, by the way. But it's somehow addictive, right? You just know that that next right click to that next you know, be the one. piece of movie art right off the side of the page is going to be the one you're going to want to see that you've been waiting for all this time, right? No, that, that's the one. That's why I have the thousands of books in my office because I know the next book is going to have the answer the in it. The next one, well, and the author of that next book is convinced of it, right? I was, by the way, I was interested when I, you know, sometimes I listen to the Seth Godin podcast. I think you've heard that uh, as mm-hmm. well. Uh, one of the ads on that podcast is from the people who produced it. And essentially, they're saying that we can produce a podcast for you like the one we produced for Seth. I don't know about you, but I've never watched television (laughs) and seen a commercial that says, if you like this Nike commercial, we can make one for you that's just as good. That's pretty funny. (laughs) So I, I think there's a little bit of that snake oil thing still, you know, gumming up the works. But nevertheless, I I. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I think what's interesting about the Spotify move, just to get back to that, is that it's a real bet on the future of the industry. I'm not particularly impressed by Anchor at all, by the way. I think it's a, a you know, this is this is their umpteenth pivot, the podcast pivot for that company. And uh, I'm not impressed by this one any more than I was by their previous pivots. Gimlet's another story. They have a good track record of creating meaningful shows and notably... Uh, Gimlet has good relations in terms of generating uh, their IP across other platforms, mm. which we haven't talked about yet, but is one of the biggest attractions to the podcast space that you can go to, you know, meetings at Hollywood agencies that are specifically uh, intended to debut, you know, fall lineups, spring lineups with the hopes of generating enough interest to attract an HBO, a Netflix right. So that they take your true crime series that was really successful on uh, podcast and convert it to a television series. Yeah, exactly. Which uh, means, um, you know, uh, it could mean, I don't know, um, it could mean nine figures for you. So it's a big deal. 
So that's kind of my uh, take on it. In and of itself, I don't think that much of it, other than it's a huge bet on the future of the space, and it will not be the last acquisition in the space, I will tell you. There are going to be other kind of pure play podcast companies that are acquired by larger platforms, and um, I'd r if I'm them, I'd rather be part of a larger platform over the long run. Yep. No, it, it, like I said, it's, it's very similar to what we just talked about in the uh, OTT space. It's going to be fun to watch it evolve. Very fun to watch. And we are one of those 1618 podcasts. I think we are number two, in <laughs> fact. I think you're absolutely right. So um, it's time for Ransom Raves, Tom. I know. It's been a while, hasn't it? It certainly All has. Right. So let me rant on something. So I'm I was talking to my brother the other day, and I can't remember exactly what we were talking about. He, he has a tendency to kind of rant. <laughs> and he emphasized something to me that a friend of his recently told him, and it was that the secret to success in life is grit, right? So it's all about grit, he said. Now, he probably, his friend probably got that insight from um, the psychologist Angela Duckworth, her TED Talk about research on grit which was the basis of her best-selling book, right, mm -hmm. by the same name. So she says that the secret to outstanding achievement is not talent, but a special blend of passion and persistence. So anyway, I kind of kept my opinions to myself. I hung up the phone, and I, as I continued to drive... That's a new one, by the way. <laughs> oh, no, I wanted to say something, <laughs> believe me. And, and as I continued to drive on, I wondered, what's the difference between grit and stubbornness? Because I was thinking about these folks that are operating <laughs> the last blockbuster video franchise on Earth, right? Uh, it's yeah, located. Yeah. All right. So that's out in Bend, Oregon. And I'm reading about this. Talk about grit. So they've got a computer system in the store that has to be rebooted using floppy disks. And only the, <laughs> only the general manager knows how to use the thing. <laughs> <laughs> They've got a dot matrix printer that broke, so the employees have to write out the membership cards by hand. And they say that the store's business transactions are backed up on a reel-to-reel -reel tape that can't be replaced because Radio Shack went out of business, okay? <laughs> so, so look, there's no money to invest. There's no money to invest in anything because the business model's broken. Does that remind you of any other industries? Yeah, sure it does. All right, all right. Well, you don't have to answer that one. No. But so here's the bottom line. There's a fine line between grit and stubbornness. It's like the paradox of hope. Hope helps you remain optimistic and push forward in the face of adversity and setbacks. But hope can also blind you to reality and keep you on a misguided right. path. So I suppose that it's called grit. When the environment is fairly stable and the timing is right for you and you press on, and it's called stubbornness, or worse, when it's not. Well, it sounds also to me like you could say one is the glass half full and the other is the glass half empty. <laughs> yeah, 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 and leaking. And, and, and leaking fast. And, le yeah, that's and so leaking out of the bottom, right? <laughs> By the way, I mean, how is it that these guys can do a blockbuster in Bend, Oregon? Why? I, I mean, is there... I mean. Is they licensed it. They licensed that they paid X amount of dollars to license the name and it doesn't expire for like four or five years. Actually, they're starting to make money now because the only other blockbuster, I think, was in Australia or something. And they're, and they're basically shutting down. So all kinds of people are going to this blockbuster to buy like branded merchandise, like so a sweatshirts. And <laughs> That's so now it's more of a nostalgia. It's like those old uh, restaurants that were like the 50s diners. Exactly. That were so big back in the 80s and 90s. 
Yep, that's oh, what that's it is. That's fabulous. Okay, that's that's great. That's a great one. Um, my, I think I have a couple, and uh, they're kind of related. Um, they're both relating to kind of the, you know, pop-up economy, sharing economy, whatever you want to call it. But um, there's a new uh, app called Recharge. Have you heard of this? No. Which is kind of like Airbnb, but for much shorter stays. So you want a place for a nap, a shower, a quiet spot to work, you know, whatever it is that you want for only in 30-minute chunks, then uh, you bring up this app, and there are people renting out you know, their homes, hotel rooms, et cetera, for stays by the 30 minutes. So, you know, and the one rule is you can't stay overnight. So they avoid a lot of the problems that uh, Airbnb uh, has in terms of regulatory issues. So it's interesting. It's obviously available in only a small number of markets uh, so far. But, uh, you know, this, this idea that everything becomes so accessible, so granular, and everybody's in everybody's business now is um, such an interesting phenomenon. So you're essentially <laughs> renting your scooter to get yeah. to your rented Uber, to get to your uh, hour-long stay, to get back to your uh, the 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 coffee house you that runs out of someone's home. That's another product called Pop Up, where you list your home and you can literally run a ephemeral coffee shop. It's called <laughs> out of your home. Um, and then there's another called Breather, and that's an app for on-demand private workspaces. So you've got oh, Breather, I've seen those. Yeah. Breather for your workspace for a couple hours. Then you go get a coffee using Pop Up at somebody's house, then and then you take you a spend, nap in someone's you bed. take a nap in someone's bed, and uh, <laughs> then you get on your scooter. And I don't know where you're going to go from there, but let's hope there's an app for it. So I just find it interesting that the uh, the 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 pop the world of of Pop Up uh, in sharing conveniences has reached that level. At least oh, if crazy. you're in San Francisco, L.A., and a couple of other markets. Um, then there's a second one that I have, which is kind of related. It's also kind of a, of a, of a pop-up thing of sorts. Uh, and this has to do with our old friends at Madame, Madame Tussauds, right? Um, every so often, Madame Tussauds is a very, very active um, uh, uh, promotional calendar because they always find a way to get on this podcast. And they've never given us any credit for it, I might add. But, Tom, haven't you always wanted to spend the night at a wax museum? Uh, uh, no, just an hour. <laughs> Do they have not <laughs> No, no, no. It, it's got to be the whole night. The good news is it's only for a couple days, okay? okay? But, no, it's the whole night. So here's how it works. This is from that category of kind of experience, <laughs> you know, experiences that you can't otherwise buy. Spend a night at... The Wax Museum at Madame Tussauds' uh, new luxury experience. Oh, so this God. is through Booking.com. They partner with Madame Tussauds for an exclusive sleepover where, where celeb-loving guests can spend the night inside the Wax Museum. It's an A-list suite at Madame Tussauds' locations across the United States. Um, and let's see. For $99 a night for up to four pals, the room is decked out with Booking.com gear, which tells you, you know, what makes it possible. But you get a, uh, a mini blue Polaroid camera with your stay. You have a concierge uh, 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 selfie helper to take all the selfies of you with your favorite uh, stars. And um, it's only good for th uh, two nights, April 5th and April 6th. 
So, uh, which goes to show you it's not a campaign. It's just a, <laughs> a silly little promotion. But I don't know. I think that's interesting. I'm not sure. It might be a kind of a level of creepiness that is over the top. What do you think? <laughs> Look, Mark, I don't think I would do it. But <laughs> that doesn't mean other people aren't going to do it. Well, I, I think it would be great is if we could do the podcast from a, uh, a night at Madame Tussauds. Wouldn't that be great? That brings everything not, full circle. Okay, now that's an idea. We'll have to, but we have to do a video podcast. We'd have to do a video podcast, and I want to see if any of the figures move in the middle of the night, <laughs> especially Nicki Minaj, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> right, that's Media Unplugged for this week, maybe this month. Who knows? Please remember to subscribe to us. At maybe it. That may be the last one. I don't want to go down to number three. We better do another one. Uh, at uh, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening now. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Asacker and Mark at Mark Ramsey Media. Send us your questions and com comments using hashtag Media Unplugged. If there's a media topic you want us to cover, tweet us. We actually do. The uh, Spotify thing was was a suggestion this month, That's right? That's right. Yes, it was. You can also email us at, Mark, at mramsey. I've, I don't know my own email address. <laughs> mramsey at markramseymedia.com and tomasacker at gmail.com. Catch up on older episodes at our website, mediaunplugged.net. Special thanks to the producer of Media Unplugged, Jeff Schmidt. Exciting audio for media, and he ain't kidding, right, Tom? No, absolutely, and it's beautiful. It is I beautiful. It. You can find him at jeff-schmidt.com. For Tom Asacker, I'm Mark Ramsey. Thank you for listening.